you standing next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome to episode 17 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts. I am Gina. I am here with Bryna. Hello, everybody. And Ashley. Hey. So, (laughs) we have a lot to talk about in tonight's episode. Um, Our main focus this week is Chicago PD, season 5, episode 6. The episode was titled Fallen. However, in our outline, we retitled it Everyone Hates Haley. Accurate. (laughs) Accurate. So we're going to get into that. But first, we've got to get through some news. We have so much news. This is probably the most news we've ever had. And I think a good chunk of it is the residual stuff from one Chicago day. But let's go. Let's let's just tackle it head on. Okay, so. Let's do it. Let's do it. First bit of news we had was an article from the Nocturnal with Tracy and Marina. And the biggest thing here, this was a short blurb, kind of, it was a short little article. But the one thing that I took from this was that throwing Ruzik on the hood of the car in what, 504, whatever episode that was, when Upton threw Ruzik onto the hood of the car, that was not scripted. Yeah, that was really surprising to learn. I mean... And I think that's so it's so interesting too because that was definitely the most talked about moment probably from that episode. Um, but yeah, great improv- improvisation because I would have never guessed that. Do you think it would have been as heavily spoken about if she hadn't thrown him on the car? No. Damn, Tracy. I think it sold it. I think her throwing him on the hood is what sold it. Yeah. Because it. I think it just shows that like she's a different kind of cop than what a lot of the other detectives and intelligence are. You know, she's someone who plays by the book and like, you know, she isn't going to take that shit when, you know, Ruzik wants to intimidate and kind of go along with Voight's ways. She's like, no, like this is not how we do things. If you're actually a play by the rules kind of cop. And like, she made her point and I, yeah, it was awesome. That was awesome. So another piece of news we got was an interview with Derek Haas. Um, Matt Carter did this one. And this is just kind of talking about what's ahead for season six and schedule wise and things like that. Bryna, go ahead and give us the update on that one. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that I took away that I thought was most interesting from this interview was kind of the way, especially because this season. So obviously right now they're on hiatus. And then they're going to come back. And so apparently they had six six in the fall that we've seen. Then they're on hiatus. And then we're going to get five more before they go to the Olympics. And so then they're going to guess again another hiatus. And then they'll come back with like a new episode every week for the rest of the season. And Derek was talking about how it's great for them as writers that they get to break it up into manageable chunks. And for me, I think it's an interesting way to kind of look at the rest of the season moving forward. And the way and the stories and kind of the way they're told and just kind of see like You can see that, like, okay, over the next five episodes, we're going to be dealing with that Gabby storyline. And obviously, we'll see other storylines pop up here and there. But, like, we're going to see the Gabby storyline and probably the Otis and the new Mollies. And, like, those storylines take place over the next five. And then it'll be interesting to see, I don't do math, but 11 minus 
22 minus 11. Oh, so another 11 after the Olympics. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to do math. Um, but yeah, so then it'll be like, okay, well then 11 episodes. So maybe we'll get a more in-depth storyline for those episodes. So it's just, for me, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of get into the heads of the writers. And I'm glad Derek brought that up in this interview. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I, I noted in this article was that they teased a bit of the Dossie storyline coming up that, you know, pretty much Dossie's going to, or not Dossie, but Gabby herself, she's going to get, or she's going to have some, you know, affection for a teenage girl that they rescue. And they set it up that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be like Severide versus Casey, but not in a captain lieutenant kind of way. Apparently Severide is present when this rescue happens. And so he sides with Dawson and it just kind of develops that Casey's like, well, maybe you shouldn't be giving my wife advice in this instance. And I'm starting to feel like, you know how with the writing with Ruzik this season, how we're like, what the hell is happening? That's kind of how I'm starting to feel about Casey. Like, what is wrong with you this season? Right. And I think, though, the thing, I mean, people are mad about both instances, but I think it's a little maybe more noticeable with Casey just because, Casey is, like, the top character. I mean, it's Casey and Severide, and, I mean, Dawson till, Dawson's, like, 1B, but, like, it's Casey and Severide up there on fire, whereas Ruzik is arguably, like, fifth or sixth in terms of, like, the PD pecking order. So, like, it's just Casey stands out a lot more, I think, to it, the more casual fans of fire, and so I think it just it's so much more noticeable with Casey. But, like, as fans who notice every little thing about PD, we notice the Ruzik stuff. But yeah, it's a really interesting comparison between the two. Now, granted, we don't have all the facts on this upcoming storyline, so we could be dead wrong. But based off sure. what we've seen, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah. So Very true. another bit of news we got. Speaking of Derek, um, let's just set the stage here. So what day was this that this happened? Maybe Tuesday or Wednesday? This was Tuesday. This was Tuesday. Okay, so... The three of us, as you know, we have our group chat and we are in this group chat all the time. We're always in constant contact. So we're just kind of going about our business. We're copying and pasting links, talking in the group chat, and we all get the same notification at the same time. And <laughs> we got a tweet from Derek asking us to, or not asking us, but he said that he'd be willing to answer five questions about episodes 601 to 606. And so I think, Brenna, when you texted this to us, you put the notification down and in big all caps, you said, cancel everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was like afternoon. I mean, I was getting ready to like eat lunch or eating lunch or whatever. I literally just got home. I sat down with food in my hand and then y'all texted me. I was like, wait, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, it was just like literally cancel everything. Like we have to come up with these questions right at this moment. Like we're not going to get another opportunity like this. Like go, go, go. Yeah. So we, uh, we had a bit of a surprise Q and a with Derek and it was wonderful. Um, you know, we spent about five minutes brainstorming and then we had our questions and, you know, some of them were pretty telling. So, you know, some of the notes, I think our first question that we asked him, we asked him, you know, why did Stella have to be drunk in order to kiss Severide? And Derek said that, you know, it's just kind of a cause and effect thing that alcohol lowers inhibitions. And, you know, it was kind of telling for both of them. And I get that because, you know, yeah. the whole season she's been pining for him and not saying anything. And so when she's finally got a little alcohol in her system, that's when she finally gets the guts to do it. So I get that. I yeah. get that. Um, another question we asked about, uh, we asked him about Ramon getting involved on the train platform. And Derek said that that was a direct result of Gabby yelling at him. 
Which is interesting to me because I wonder if he's going to tell her that, in which case she's going to feel a little guilty. Ooh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's a really interesting... I think that was probably my most interesting response from Dare, or the one I thought was the most interesting that I hadn't thought about. I'm glad we asked that question. Yeah, and we did ask about the blanket issue if you listened to our episode about the fall finale, and it turns out we might have just read a little too much into it because Derek said that it definitely was not intentional and that they have written in scenes with him, including blankets before, so maybe it was just hot in there. Okay, so we read a little too much into us or into it, so sue us, you know. That's what we do. That's what we do. Um, we got a bonus question in there because we're still dying to know about the guy in the barbed wire and how he got up there. And um, all we found out was that, you know, he was on drugs. So we will probably never know how he got up there. But I think Derek said that he uh, forgot about the ladder. Ladder. Yeah. Yeah. So that was funny. Um, what were the other questions we asked him? Because we got in we six asked total. Him, we got in. We asked about Mr. Sprinkles. Oh, yeah. And the response was pretty much like. Well, I think that, like, it got a little too hyped up. You know, Derek just thought that was something funny from the writer's room, and they put it in. But then, obviously, when he tweeted it out, people were like, oh, well, this is obviously this, like, huge thing. And then it ended up not being – it just was, like, the one plot point, and that was it. Um, And then we asked about Mouch, why Mouch came back after – why they didn't choose to kill off Mouch after that finale because Mouch – even though Mouch looked like a goner – um, and it was pretty much just basically they really liked the idea of, you know, if you remember from the premiere, they call him now Dead Mouch, which we haven't heard since then. But in the premiere episode, they're calling him Dead Mouch. And that was based off this real true story about, I guess it was a real firefighter who had been called dead. I don't even remember the examples he gave us in his tweet. But um, yeah, it was like based off a thing. And they basically just said, you know, that was just something they inspired him to do. And they, I mean, obviously they didn't really want to kill anybody off, but right. I'm glad we asked that one too. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Derek, for uh, the opportunity to do a surprise Q and a, it was wonderful. We enjoyed it. I hope we asked good questions, but yeah. that was an interesting bit that we definitely enjoyed. Granted, we were sent into a little bit of a panic, but we got it done and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. We got it done fast. So. We did get it done fast. Yeah. So Another bit of news, um, I think the Nocturnal pretty much spent their week just kind of digging out from under one Chicago day, because they also released an interview with Colin and Norma, Norma being the one who plays Dr. Becker in this upcoming season of Med. And this was short and sweet. You know, uh, Colin said that Connor and Robin have to figure out the caretaker patient relationship between them this season, which is interesting to me because I thought it was like, a small little tumor that was completely benign that they got all of and there wouldn't really be any residual effects, but I guess well, I'm the wrong. Thing that, the thing that I also think is interesting about that and the fact that like he says this about Robin is that we all know Makia Cox is now a C or what is the word I'm looking for? She's a regular. She's, re- she's a regular on once upon a time. So how does that work? When they don't film in the same place, it's not like they both film in L.A. And she's not a regular on Med. So how much of Robin are we really going to see this season just due to the well, fact that she's not around as much? She was in Chicago at the beginning of the season in, like, July-ish, I think. Right. 
But so I know we've seen her in the first because we've seen her in some of the promos or the first look or we've seen her in something and promo pictures. I think that's promo pictures for the first episode, which we're going to talk about. But like, is this something that's going to just be like the first two episodes kind of thing? And then we're going to move on or like, I don't know. It's just it's interesting to see that, like, it seems like it's going to she's going to be a lot bigger of a part of season three. But I know she logistically can't be. Right. Maybe she's going to recur here and there because, you know, as we know, all the Chicago shows shoot in Chicago. Once upon a time, however, shoots in Vancouver. Right. So maybe she's just going to bounce back and forth occasionally. Maybe. Like I said, it's not like they both shoot in L.A. Right. Where, like, you could just easily, like, oh, I'm on Once Upon a Time on Tuesday and I'm at Chicago Med on Thursday. Like, you can't do that realistically here. Right. So interesting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes in Med's first couple episodes. Yeah. Um, and another interesting tidbit in this article, Norma Kuling, Kuling, however you say her last name, I'm sorry, I don't know. She's not actually South African, which kind of, I don't know, I, I was I was kind of, in, I was just saw that and was like, this is interesting. If she's not actually South African, then why write the character that way? Because then it just seems like you're making things a little harder with her having to learn the accent. No? I don't know. I, I don't remember enough of, like, her scene and, like, when she came on to try to figure it out. But maybe it's going to have something to do coming. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I anything I would say to this right now would be trying to read too much into it. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. So... Speaking of Med, we also got the episode description for Season 3, Episode 2. Ashley, do you want to kind of give us the rundown there? Um, okay. Natalie goes to extreme measures to help a fearful pregnant woman whose baby is severely underdeveloped. And then April is angered by Troy when he uses their personal relationship as her leverage to convince a patient of a risky procedure... And Rhodes attempts to balance his personal and professional life, and it appears the stress of his current situation may have caused him to make a huge mistake. And Dr. Charles and Reese continue to disagree about their psych patients. So it kind of sounds like nothing has changed, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. There's a couple things I think that are interesting is that, one, I think it'll be interesting to see that, like, I feel like this is one of the first at least on Med, one of the first times that, like, we're getting to see a relationship, the one between April and Choi, where, like, it doesn't start kind of, like, happy. Like, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see that they're starting with their problems from the beginning and how this nurse, doctor... It's, I'm thinking too much about Grey's Anatomy and how, like, their roles of, um, you know, one of them being a nurse and one of them being a doctor. You know, obviously, Choi has the authority over April and so like how that's going to go and how it's going to cause problems for them but I also think it's really interesting to see the thing about Dr. Charles because this is episode two so clearly we know he's alive and he's going to survive but um also just the fact that like by episode two he's this makes it seem like he's back at work well there is a time jump isn't yeah there's a time jump (sighs) fucking time jumps never mind (laughs) <laughs> Bryna versus commercials, Bryna versus time jumps. 
<laughs> Which and we talked about this in our group text that like clearly they were gonna have to have a time jump at some point so that they can catch up to where PD and Fire are because they had time jumps. But like, it's just I I especially when they're not like you know One Tree Hill kind of time jumps where it's like clearly years have passed or like Grey's Anatomy where like it's been like a year or two years. I just forget about them. Especially because we haven't seen Med Season 3, so it hasn't, like, clicked with me yet. Yeah. And they don't really address them either. Right. It's just like, oh, we're here. It's months later. Okay, bye. Yeah, it's bling and you miss it. If you miss that one teeny tiny, like, nanosecond of dialogue, you forget you like, yeah, you forget all about the time jump, so I get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, disregard everything I said. Dr. Charles is fine, but at least we know he survived. <laughs> so... And uh, something I found interesting in this was that, you know, that we are going to start right from the get-go with April and Dr. Choi having issues in their relationship, which, I mean, I'm all for seeing a ship develop and for seeing them work things out, but doesn't this just kind of seem like they're doomed from the get-go? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, if they're, like, rushing into it, yeah, I can see that. Well, and it just kind seems of- like... Ethan's totally proud of their relationship and he's so proud they're together, but April's the one who has all these reservations about it. I'm literally thinking of Grey's Anatomy though, because correct me if I'm wrong, and I haven't seen season one in a very long, or season two, whenever Meredith and Derek actually get together. But like, isn't it kind of the same thing where like the one who has the higher authority is like happy and fine to show off their relationship, but it's the one who doesn't have as much leverage with their jobs is like, no, I don't want to be like talking about this. Like, I don't want it to be seen as just like a professional or as a move for me to get like higher up in the professional world. Cause Meredith did the same kind of similar thing and that April's doing. I mean, obviously Meredith was a resident and isn't a nurse, but it's like the same kind of thing. I don't quite remember how Meredith handled it. Cause again, seasons one and two were a very, very long time ago, but all I can think about is Christina and Dr. Burke and how Christina did not give a fuck. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of It times... wasn't Lexi and Mark the same way. I mean, it's kind of like that with, like, all the relationships on that show. Yeah, I think it's just, like, I feel like a lot of times when someone does have, like, higher power or more power over someone else when it comes to relationships that take off in the workplace, that, like, sometimes... a you know, the person who doesn't have as much power is a little hesitant. So it just seems more like they're fitting into that, like, trope of a relationship with April and Toy. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't quite think about that. And I don't want anybody to worry. Our coverage of the meds episodes, it's not just going to be us talking about Grace the whole time. Don't worry about no, that. No, I promise it won't. I'm just, I've just, especially now, I've just reinvigorated my love for Grey's Anatomy recently, so... I'm very happy. But yeah, it won't be, I promise. And Bryna and Ashley are just coming off of the 300th episode, so they're just feeling the Grey's feels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the Nocturnal, again, they were just kind of cranking out the rest of their One Chicago Day news. And they also had a chat with John Seda and Jason Begay. And this is where they just kind of talked about the theme of reform and how it's reflected in this season and how much they like working together. Something I found in there that was kind of interesting was when Jason said that Voight kind of, he puts, you know, basically the interviewer asked how much of Jason's personality is reflected in Voight. And Jason said all of it. And I was like, so you're really that terrifying in real life? Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. 
So what? Yeah, Jason. What you're saying is you actually would kill someone all the time. <laughs> I yeah. I don't even know. So, <laughs> in good news, in really good news, um, the Cancel Bear, who it's a Twitter account that you know any TV diehard follows just you know because they like to suffer i don't really know how to describe it but the cancel bear keeps track of new and existing shows on network and just kind of keeps track of ratings and how likely they are to be renewed or canceled going forward into the new year and the cancel bear says that due to the syndication deals on usa and oxygen and the other nbc networks that chicago pd is a lock for season six so that is let's good. hope so yeah. i just hope we get it i just hope we get the news of renewal i mean obviously we're months out from that most likely not really they come in january don't they no they come in like may oh. april may oh. usually <laughs> um usually but um i just hope that we get it earlier than we did last year because last year it was like end of may like pretty much right before we went to austin that like we didn't find out and i was like this is annoying last year was so frustrating i think every single day i would message you guys and be like where the hell is our renewal like what the hell is happening yeah i think we're just spoiled by not last year but two years ago when all three shows got an early renewal so we're just spoiled by that now and we expect it all the time right well and like some shows i think about like obviously like this is us last year like we never had to worry because they got like a two season renewal so we don't even have to worry about when this is us finishes because we know they're already renewed for season three so like sometimes when they do that for some of your other favorite shows you're like oh shit like i'm just like i'm tired of waiting like these other shows already have like three or four more seasons picked up like it's just you know every show is different If Keeping Up with the Kardashians can get renewed for five more seasons, NBC can renew the One Chicago shows for one more year. Just saying. Yeah. So we also got a One Chicago Day recap from Michigan Avenue Magazine. And Michigan Ave Mag, it's basically, it's local to Chicago. So they do a lot of talking about, you know, Chicago hotspots, the neighborhoods, the restaurants. And then um, they talk about being recognized in the city and, you know, Cops and firefighters telling them, you know, that it's an accurate portrayal of what they do. It's a good article. Um, And we're going to post all of these links onto our Twitter page. So you will be able to read all of them. We actually figured out how to post a document to Twitter. So that was a personal victory for us this week. We also got a first look at season three of Chicago Med. And pretty much it's like a two minute clip maybe. And they just kind of there's the moment where Goodwin finds Dr. Charles and it looks like that's going to kind of hit us all in the feels and make us really sad. Um, and then it's the same thing about April worrying about going public with Ethan. So what did you guys think of the first look? I think it was good. I think season three is going to be really good. I'm really excited for it. Um, it just, I mean, I don't know what it is too, that makes it seem like it's going to be a slightly different season. I, I don't know, but I just get that vibe. Yeah, it looks like they've kind of stepped their game up a little bit. I don't know. It You know, it looks like Manstead is going to put their bullshit aside. You know, Rhodes has a lot to figure out career-wise. You know, well, there's there's a lot of opportunity for growth this season. So it'll be interesting to see. So um, another bit from One Chicago Day that we got, we were able to see some of the things that came out of the smaller local NBC affiliates that were invited. And this station out of, I think, Norfolk, Virginia, 
they did a segment called Wreck on the Road. And it was a little weird because, you know, the reporter said that his time on the red carpet was very limited. So instead of asking about characters and development, he said that he wanted to learn more about their personalities instead. So the whole segment with them is pretty much just the actors goofing off, which is hilarious. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like if you're not an avid watcher of the series, then it's just random actors goofing off and it makes no sense. Right. And I think I will say this. On the one hand, I'm kind of glad that if he doesn't really watch the series and like has mainly only seen a couple episodes, I'm glad he didn't just try to ask questions and like say like, oh, well, like what does your character do? Like I'm try- I'm glad he didn't try to like ask questions about a story in a show that he doesn't clearly watch and like make it seem just like make himself seem like an idiot. So I'm glad if he doesn't know what he's talking about that he took this route and was just like, oh, I want to get to know these actors better. But on the same hand, and I talked about this in our one Chicago Day recap, I don't understand either why all these local smaller market NBC affiliates were there. Like if they were going to have NBC affiliate stations there, I don't understand why it wasn't like the bigger cities like, you know, L.A., New York. Um, Miami, DC, I mean, even in my like neck of the woods, like DC's huge mass market. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, that part doesn't make sense to me. Like, I mean, the ones that we've seen so far, Norfolk, Virginia, which is a smaller uh, market, you know, Phoenix, Savannah, Georgia. I mean, there's probably some more that I'm missing that I don't even can't think of off the top of my head, but like, it just, it makes it seem so much more random when it comes from those smaller markets. If it did, I mean, I would still think if it was random, if it came from like New York, LA, DC, Miami, Dallas, whatever, but it made, it would make more sense because they're the bigger markets. Yeah. Yeah. It would make more sense if it was the bigger markets, but you know, like you said, I like how this guy didn't even pretend to know about the show. So he just kind of wanted to get to know their personalities and that could entice somebody to watch if you see a cast that gets along so well and they're hilarious together and things like that. I mean, I, yeah, so... Yeah, and like you said, it was funny. And I mean, as someone who does love this cast and, you know, likes to see the interviews and likes to see them goof off with each other, I did like watching it. But like I said, at the same time, it's just random that all these smaller market affiliates are there. Yeah. So we also got the promo photos for season three, episode one of Chicago Med. And if you've seen them, you know they're pretty run-of-the-mill, but there is one in particular that has a bit of a spoiler in there, and um, all I have to say is, hello, Manstead. How are you? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was... I'm surprised they released that one. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I'm very surprised that they released it, um, especially not like even, you know, it's not like, oh, they rele- they had this picture and they just decided to release it after the episode. Like, we're still like a little more I mean we're a little less than two weeks out from the first episode so I mean it's going to be like it's just a little bit more while before we get there but yeah I mean for some reason I don't know what it is about this photo of them kissing that makes me way more excited about me instead but I'm I'm getting there I'm getting there same same I think it's that they're finally going to act like adults and stop crushing on each other from afar and finally like put it out there and say how they feel about each other be a new concept but i'm so here for it which if you go back and watch is it the first promo that we got with them they presented and will was telling natalie i forgot what he's telling. but if you go back and watch that it's the same scene it looks like the same scene from that picture 
Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Give it to me. I'm so ready. I bet that's going to be the last scene of the premiere or something. Probably. If not, it's one of the last ones. Like in the last five minutes when they finish all their cases and they're all dealing with all their personal lives shit because that's how these episodes go, that they deal with all their personal lives stuff that they've been dealing Yeah, it's going to be in the very end. When they leave work and walk out of the building. Yep. Yep. So ready. So ready. So while we're still talking about Med, we also got the key art for season three. And they're all great pictures. The cast photo is fantastic. But my one question here is what's with all the smoke? Because it kind of looks like the whole cast is just taking these photos while the ED is like burning to the ground. Yeah, this isn't fire. No, no. And the picture of uh nick yeah nick elfis who plays well he's like sitting there being all broody he's not even looking at the camera and it's just kind of like he's like i'm gonna smolder but is the ed on fire how do i handle this (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i don't know i mean the one with all of them looks great though but yeah the smoke's a little weird yeah, and the one of Epatha, I think I had tweeted side by side with, uh, there's that meme of the dog who's like sitting in the middle of the fire and he just says, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. Kind of looked exactly like that, but everybody looked great. I just hope they got out of the building in time and called 51, you know. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. So we got the rest of the One Chicago Day interviews. There were video interviews with Monica, Marina, and Tracy, and we will post the links to all of those on our Twitter pages, or just Twitter page. We only have one, not two. I'm getting confused. And we also had two Hollywood Life articles that came out. We had one with Tracy Spridakos, and then we also had one with Jesse Lee Sofer. So the one with Tracy, it's mostly about her issues with McGrady, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes, because, oh boy, we have a lot to talk about. Um, And the only other interesting thing there is that, you know, she kind of teases what's ahead for when Halstead goes dark. And she said something interesting in there that she said, you know, he's going to be or she's going to be there to support Jay when he's not there to support himself, which is interesting to me. I'm just kind of also hoping we see Will in this instance. Yeah, I think I really hope so. I mean, as far as we know, I don't think Nick was in the, like, episode description for a guest star. But, I mean, I think I think as much as I'm – and we're going to talk about this a little later on when um, we get to the episode. But I'm liking this Upton J friendship. And, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about how that developed in the episode. Um, but I think it'd be weird if we didn't see someone – you know, if we're just seeing support for Jay for from someone who's known him for like a couple months. Yeah, that's going to be weird. And that's why I definitely want to see Will, is be, especially because when Jay came home from the war, Will wasn't there for him. So this is Will's shot to redeem himself. Right. And like Mouse isn't here. Um, his, whoever this other but army ranger buddy of his is going to is a suspect in this upcoming episode. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll, I need Will. I need someone who's known Jay longer than a couple months to be there for him. Right. And I'm going to call it right now that it's not going to be Voight. So, oh, hell no. No, it's not going to be no. Voight. It's got to be Will. Or, I mean, Rosewater could step up, but... Antonio. Maybe. Yeah. They have that, like, kind of mentor thing going on because they both don't agree with Voight in the way he does things. True. Very true. But basically, I, I just need someone 
not that I'm not here for Upton supporting Jay because Jay's going to need all the support he can get, but I also needed to be someone who's known Jay then more than a couple months. Right, right. I'm with you on that one. So while we're still talking about Dark Halstead, we also had the interview with Jesse, and Jesse teased what is ahead for Annabelle Acosta's character that's coming in soon. Bryna, why don't you give us the update on that? Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, the whole thing is about, you know, Halstead's upcoming dark storyline. And he talks about the dark hole he's going into, and pretty much a lot of things that he said in previous interviews about how, you know, after Jay shot the girl in the first episode, and with um, Lindsay having left, like, he's going in this dark hole. But the thing that's new that we haven't really seen is, like Gina said, he talks about Annabella Costa's character. And his exact quote is, there's definitely some sparks there, and Halstead and her character have a lot of chemistry. I think that she kind of plays into him going down that rabbit hole a little bit and going to the darker side of life. And the fandom flipped out about this quote. And I think, I mean, there's, and we can talk a little bit more about this when we actually have seen Jay's episode, which will be the episode that comes out the following Monday, which is the 20th. Yes, the 20th. Um, but I just think, I don't know. I think it's going to be something that's maybe not as big. I don't think she's going to be a huge, like, Linstead kind of love interest. I don't think anyone thinks that. But then a lot of people were like, well, why does it have to be with a girl that gets him to go into this dark place? Like, this is too much like Lindsay. And what's his name that got Lindsay kind of Landon. Going? Landon. Uh, what do you guys think? I... I still don't know where I truly fall on this stuff. I'm okay with it being like a Landon kind of thing. Jay's going into a dark hole. So, you know, when you're going into a dark place, then you do things that are out of the ordinary for you. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. Ashley, what do you think? I agree. If it's like the Landon situation, then I'm okay with it. Cause, and we know she's not sticking around for long. Right. At least that's what we think. So it can't be nothing really serious that's what i think and i think you know until we really see this halstead episode we can't really jump to any kind of conclusions like i'm just gonna wait until i see it and then make what i think about every you know then for my opinions about what i think about the whole storyline i think people started jumping the gun way too early on everything related to the halstead episode and just need to calm down a little bit yeah it's yeah, the next couple episodes are going to be so telling, though. And I know I've said it before, but I'm so ready for Dark Halstead. <laughs> it sounds yeah. horrible, but I'm excited. Like, Jesse's going to kill it. Yeah, and I think this goes into the, kind of the next article. And the last one that we really have to talk about is Matt Carter did an interview with Rick Eade. And I think the most telling thing that Rick Eade said in this is that he noted that the Halstead storyline is going to be something that lasts for a couple of episodes, which I'm, like, super excited about because – Maybe that means they'll actually do it to just like justice. But that brings up the question: like, when's the fall finale? Is that December? We well, still I, haven't figured that out yet. We still haven't seen, figured that out. But then I was somebody was posting on Twitter that episode nine is now in, which was supposed to be the fall finale on the 29th, 28th, 29th, whatever that Wednesday is. Um, but now someone's saying that the ninth episode is now, which was supposed to be the fall finale, is now airing in January, according to Wikipedia, which doesn't make sense at, I don't know. NBC, if you're listening to this, and I doubt you are, but if you're listening to this, just give us some answers so that we can 
figure out our lives in terms of recording and just have this idea of when we're going to when storylines are going to wrap up because it's driving us bonkers. Yeah, we don't want spoilers. We just want our schedule done. Right. We just want to know when episodes are airing. (laughs) Yeah. Clear up the insanity for us, please. We would appreciate that. Right. If I would have never have thought that them pushing this wouldn't be such a big deal for the World Series. Like, I know in that week it benefited all of us because Ashley wanted to watch World Series because of her team, and I was not even going to be around to watch the episode. So, like, it benefited all of us, but now it's not, and it's driving me crazy. Didn't benefit me. I just watched the re-air of 501 and got pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to see how the schedule shakes out. It just makes me wonder, I mean, is there not much of a cliffhanger planned if we're going to just shuffle episodes that easily? I don't know, but I would assume that we're, my guess, based off everything that we've seen, is that the fall finale is setting up some kind of sort of cliffhanger with the Ruzik stuff that we're going to talk about later. But that would be my guess. But I have no, I have no idea what they're doing now. I'm so confused. And like this J storyline, is that going to go into next year now? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm so confused. Damn you, World Series, and the chaos you have spun this fandom into. Well, I think it's just going to be, I think it also would be kind of disappointing if we do, if it does, like, say, episode nine gets pushed into January, and we do kind of get left off with just, like, however, episode eight, which is the Burgess boyfriend episode, just kind of ends. Like, it just kind of ends, and then it's like, okay, well, we don't have PD for, like, five weeks or whatever, and I'd be like, well, this sucks. Like, I mean, though, granted, if it, episode nine did in a cliffhanger then we would just get the we wouldn't have to wait for to see what happens there's so many things going through my head right now i just want to know yeah i just want to know so um friendly reminder just in case you missed it when we announced it a couple months ago but meet us at molly's will be present at the chicago heroes event in march i think it's the first weekend of march march yeah march 3rd through 4th third through fourth yeah um you know and if you're not following them on facebook and twitter you definitely should be they're oce productions on twitter and i think they're it's the same thing on facebook but they're still adding people to the roster recently they've just added Lori hawkins and patty fluger obviously Ruzewater has been added to the agenda there is such a good lineup like i mean we gene and i we're gonna be the ones sending and we're we text about it all the time i mean they're it, the lineup is so good, and I'm so excited. I wish it was March already. No, same. We're already talking about what we're going to wear and who we're going to interview and questions we're going to ask, and this is four months away. So just <laughs> don't forget, I mean, tickets to this event would be a great holiday gift. So, I mean, you've got meet and greets out there for maybe, what, 250 300 per actor, which is really not that much if you look at the rest of the market when it comes to conventions. Um, autographs, photo ops, it would make a really good holiday gift. So definitely check them out. If you're a Chicago fan, this is an event you do not want to miss. Yeah, for sure. And you can hang out with us because we're going to be there all weekend. So we want to meet people. So yeah, come hang out with us. We want to meet you so bad. Please, please, please say hi to us. So, and the last bit of news is, you know, our schedule's been a little wonky the past couple weeks, but next week, or no, The episode that we will release this coming Friday will be a recap of the season two finale of Chicago Med. And we scheduled it this way because we have our second interview lined up. Uh, Brenna, why don't you tell us what's going on this weekend or on Friday? 
Yeah. Yeah. So on Friday, we're also going to have an interview that will be released with Jeff Dreyer, who is one of the writers on Med. Um, He's also a producer. So, yeah, we're going to be recording it on Thursday to be released on Friday. So if you have any questions about, you know, I mean, he's been a writer for, I mean, I think probably one of at least one or two episodes of season one, but he's definitely a writer on a couple episodes in season two. So he's been around for a while. So if you have anything about previous storylines, upcoming storylines, um, writing process, just, you know, anything that you want to know, just send them to us and we'll be sure to ask him. So yeah, just send us your questions. Yeah. So like we said, you know, send us your med, send us your med questions. We're really excited to interview Jeff. Uh, but I think it is now time to get into the episode. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I know when I was watching this episode the first time through on Wednesday, I started it and I was just kind of thinking, I was like, I don't really like this episode. But it turns out we have the most to talk about that we've ever had on an episode. What, what were your first impressions of the episode? Yeah, I mean, it, it took me a little second to get invested in what was happening I think it took me probably halfway through the first time I was watching to be like okay like I actually care about what's going on because at first it was just like I don't even understand this case like there's so many layers to this case that's happening because you know it starts with the shooting which we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about all this but like it starts with the shooting and then it goes on and turns out it relates to back to um, Upton's old partner and then it ends with the big cliffhanger and there's just so much going on and I was like what the fuck is happening right now like I don't understand and then I started seeing everyone hating on Haley and I was like what the fuck like what is this like I yeah it just took me a while to actually get invested and I still not I mean I've now seen this episode three times since it aired I'm still not a fan of it but yeah like Gina said it's surprising that out of the one that we hate the most is the most to talk about yeah, so as always, we break this down by storyline, not necessarily chronologically, but it kind of fits in at the end. So we're going to start off talking about Upton, not necessarily the case, but Upton, because there were a lot of issues here that happened. So we start the episode and Upton and Halstead and Ruzik and Atwater and Voight, they're at this community event that is put on by Alderman Price, who we met in 501. When did intelligence become cool with Alderman Price? Did I miss something? Um. And where was everybody? Like, why was just them there? Like, that was something I was sitting there. And I was like, why isn't everyone there? Like, where's Al? Where's Burgess? Where's, yeah. I was just very confused. Very confused. And they looked really bored, too. Al was, like, not in this episode at all. Al, yeah. Al was in one scene at the very end. Yeah. Weird. I, yeah. It was weird. Uh, but yeah, they, they did look very bored. And it was weird when Alderman Price was talking and Voight and Jay were both smiling. I was like, what the hell is happening right now? Because when somebody crosses Voight, they're on Voight's shit list forever. And all of a sudden, yeah, Voight's like, cool with him? Right. Like, did we miss some kind of deleted scene where Voight and Price are, have decided to enter some kind of weird partnership and support each other through every... Like, I don't understand. Yeah, it, the whole situation. We just start on a really awkward weird note. playing field. Yeah, weird. So after the speech happens, you know, Ruzik and Atwater are kind of walking through and Ruzik wants to ditch to go get a real drink. Atwater makes a dig about the Cowboys. I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, noted, noted. And so 
we cut over to Jay and Haley and they're hanging out at the bar. And I think Haley makes some quip about wine and Jay calls her a les snob, which made me laugh a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, and they catch Voight talking to Sean McGrady, and I think it's his wife. McGrady and his wife? Yeah, I think she's sitting next to him. And so in this little scene, we start to learn more about Haley. So, you know, we learned that she was born in Lake Forest. She moved to Greektown when she was 11. And this is worth noting just because these are things that, you know, Haley's lucky that she's come into the show when she has, because now we can start right from the get-go and learn about her as we go. Whereas with a lot of these characters, we're learning more about them now in season five than we've learned about them in the preceding four seasons. Yeah, I think there are still some things I have in terms of what we did learn and how I wish we'd kind of, I think they left us a little bit of hanging and because of what happens to McGrady, I don't think we'll ever find out what actually happens and like what their backstory is. But I do like the fact that like, you know, we're six episodes in and we're actually getting, like, some sort of detail about Haley and her background. Yeah, so, I mean, and I put in the outline here, we didn't find out that Jay was from Canaryville until Will mentioned it in an episode of Med. So, this is progress. Right, you know? and Med didn't even start until season three of PD. And Med, I mean, Will doesn't even make his first appearance in PD until the end of season two. So, that's a long-ass time. Yeah, long-ass time. So, uh... You know, Upton says, you know, Jay's like, oh, so you know him. And Haley's kind of skittish about it. And she just mentions that he's good police. And Jay just goes, okay, she says with hesitation. So clearly. <laughs> that was great. That was. Yeah. Jesse said it in like a funny comedic way. And it was, it was really funny. Yeah. So clearly, you know, there's something wrong here. So Jay picks up on the fact that, you know, she's not thrilled to see him and he's probably not getting the whole story. But this is an interesting scene because, you know, we haven't really seen much between Upton and Halstead so far. Right. And not in a romantic way at all. Not in a romantic way at all. But I like seeing that Jay is starting to be able to read Haley really well. You know, like we like you said, we haven't really seen a lot of their partnership. And I really like that about this episode I think they do make really good partners and we'll talk about that later but I think it's going to make for hopefully a good part like an even better partnership down the road but I did like seeing the fact that he's starting to be able to pick up on her little things yeah yeah it's, it's progress and not in a romantic way we mean partners like professional partners we can't really enunciate that enough right so Upton comes out of the restroom and she sees McGrady having an argument with one of the members of this community organization. I think it's called Community Play and we never quite found out what it was. We're just kind of confused. I don't understand. From my understanding, it kind of seems almost like a like big brother, big sister, kind of like boys and girls club kind of thing. But I really don't know. It kind of sounded to me like it was a cop version of Voight's social club. I really don't know what it is, but it's taking place on the north side, right? I think. Which is better, the better side of Chicago. See, all these details about what actually makes the case literally are not clarified. And so that's why it took me three times to watch it through to actually understand what was happening somewhat. Yeah. But I'm still confused. Yeah, there were there were a lot of little details here that were kind of crucial that we still were like, wait, clear this up. We missed it. So. 
Um, yeah, so McGrady's having an argument with this guy. Haley breaks it up. And this is when Jay comes running in and, you know, he comes to grab Haley because there's been an active shooting in the area. So they find this family, this like per- seemingly perfect family that has been murdered, brutally murdered, actually. And they find the parents who are dead downstairs and they find the son who is dead up or not. He's not dead yet. Spoiler alert. But he's been shot. And Ruzik finds out why, or Ruzik basically finds what the killer was looking for, and it's basically a ton of drugs in the upstairs closet. Crazy. So in the bullpen, Upton very quickly identifies the drug supplier as Quentin Kane. And this is somebody who apparently is a he's a pretty well-known player in the drug community. And McGrady is or McGrady works in narcotics. So Voight basically tells her to loop him in. And when this happens, Upton very discreetly just kind of says, listen, Sarge, it makes for a crowded van. So, you know, Voight asks her point blank, do you have a problem with this guy? And she says, yes. And Voight blows her off. Voight basically says his exact words are work it out. You've got a job to do. Excuse me? This made me so angry. This is not the mark of a good leader because, you know, I get that, you know, there's a difference between telling somebody to suck it up because they're scared to do something and actually listening to somebody's concerns. This is one of your this is one of the people on your team. She feels comfortable enough to come to you and tell you she has a problem and you just blow it off. Yeah, I think the thing that also that really more bothers me about this is that Boyd is so inconsistent with how he deals when people in his unit get him have some kind of links to things like personally. So for example, for the longest time, he was so against in-house romances and that was totally fine. Cause like, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you don't want partners getting involved. Cause what if they, something bad happens, they break up, it ruins the chemistry between the whole unit, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I get it. But then there's moments like a couple episodes with Atwater when Atwater had the gun to that guy in the alley and Voight's basically telling him like you should do this like it just like Voight is so inconsistent with how he deals with when someone in his unit has a personal tie or personal problems that might affect a case that in this instance it's like okay but you've done probably the same thing and you would have let Antonio do like not worth that part like it it bothers me because of his inconsistency if he had said that to every single person who would ever come with him to a personal tie with a case, I would not have a problem with it. Right. And it just, it proves the point that uh, somebody had sent us a couple of weeks ago was that Voight only does these things when they benefit him. So when he invited Burgess to join intelligence the first time, it was, you know, he was willing to ignore the fact that she was with Ruzik because he had a vacancy he needed to fill. And so yeah. when he basically gave his blessing to Linstead, it was because he wanted Lindsay somewhere where he could keep an eye on her. Right. And he wanted someone else that he somewhat trusted to keep an eye. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's starting to prove that point that he only he uses his team to benefit him. Yeah, that's is, interesting. I haven't thought about it like that, but it's true. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. So the other thing that pissed me off here is that, you know, she comes to him with this concern. We don't know what it is. And my first thought was that what if he assaulted her? You're just blowing her off. Right. And and we still don't really know. I mean, we kind of have an idea, which I'll talk about in our next second. But, like, yeah, like, we still don't really know. 
Like, that could have still happened. I doubt it, but it still could have happened. It could have still happened, and she's just not comfortable talking about it. Right. And that's okay. That's A-okay. But Voight needed to be way more considerate in that instance. It just... Voight's very, very frustrating this season. Like, I'm borderline starting to turn on him because he's making me mad. So Upton and Halstead, they go meet McGrady to work with him. And, you know, McGrady says, oh, it seems like old times. And Haley just says, look, I know we've had our differences, but let's just stay professional. And this is my thing. So, I mean, we kind of obviously learn later on the episode that McGrady prevents Upton from, like, getting promoted and whatever. But I wish we had learned more about what these differences were and how it affected Upton's career trajectory after that. Because, like, what is... Like, just saying difference is okay, that's great. And then obviously, but why would he have stopped her from getting promoted? Like, why does he care that much? Like, something had to have happened. And that's what I wish we had known. And that's kind of why, depending on, like, we obviously know what happened to McGrady. That I don't think we'll ever learn what happened to them. But I hope we do. Because I think that's crucial information. Yeah, it, yeah it, it may have helped to, you know, learn what Haley's issue was with him. Early, earlier on it may have helped so uh you know Haley and Jay are just kind of like let's go do this and McGrady just kind of takes over and gives them the rundown so he starts telling them both what to do and how they're gonna run it and it's Jay's just, face yeah. here is priceless he's not having it with this guy he just kind of like when he finished when McGrady finishes telling um them what they're gonna do and he kind of walks away Jay just Jay just looks at her like really like this is who this guy is like what the fuck is his problem and yeah, I'm, that's a great gif, and I'm highly obsessed with it. Did they give us a gif? I didn't see one. I've seen it float. I don't know if PD, like the PD account, gave us one, but I've seen it floating around Twitter, and it's pretty great. Oh, good. I'm gonna save that one and use it in. I'll find it when we finish recording. Appropriate instances, it. yeah. <laughs> so the three of them pile into this van. They track down Kane and his associate Bernard Ward. Bernard was the one, Bebe, right? Yeah. How the fuck do you spell Bebe? I was trying to spell it in this outline, and I literally, right later on, I literally was like, is it B-E-B-E? Is it Bay like B-A-E-B-A-E? Is it Bay like Beyonce Bay like B-E-Y? Like, I'm so confused. I think it's Bay like the Bay in San Francisco, like B-A-Y. Well, I'm just going to, from now on, if he, not that he's ever showing up, but I'm going to refuse to think it's anything but B-A-E-B-A-E. (laughs) it's a weird nickname like how do you get that out of bernard (laughs) bay bay i'm yeah i'm refused to think it's anything else but bay oh yeah it's it's a mystery y'all we don't know so uh yeah so who calls jay is it it's not is it burgess 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 calls jay and says that you know the son identified the shooter as a tall black man with some sort of dog tattoo on his arm so he matches this description kane does and so they grab him So later on, and again, there's stuff that happened in between this, but we're going to talk about the case in a minute. So Upton agrees to meet McGrady later that night to go over the case. And this is interesting because Jay finds it weird that he doesn't have any new evidence or new leads, which to me begs the question of why didn't he go with her? Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't think about that, but I don't know. Maybe he had other things he was supposed to be doing related to the case because obviously if McGrady doesn't have new leads or evidence then someone's got to but they obviously can't just leave McGrady hanging out to dry so he just sends Upton instead but yeah super weird 
And I, I kind of thought about this both ways. I was like, okay, let's imagine that he does go with her and say they don't stop for coffee. Does this still happen? And I was just kind of thinking about that. And I was like, well, I guess the moral of the story here would be to stop leaving Jay out of things. Because remember at the end of season four, how we were like, if Jay had been with Lindsay, this wouldn't have happened. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> but then I thought about it some more and we all know Jay loves coffee. So they probably still would have stopped anyways. And then both of them would have been on the hook. Yeah. True. So, so Haley's on her way there and she hears McGrady radioing in that he's been shot. And so she's like, oh, shit, let me get there. And she arrives on scene and it's too late. There's no one there. McGrady's bleeding out in his car and he dies right in front of Upton. Now, there are a few little details here that got me a little bit. So I noticed that, you know, and of course, this is before we knew anything about how it shook out. So. The uh, the shot through the window, it's kind of high up. He was not shot in the head. I thought that was a little specific or it's suspicious, not specific. But I think this is probably me just reading into it a little too much. But I don't know. I found that kind of odd. I was like, wait, something's something's weird here. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so we cut back. We come back from commercial and Intelligence and Denny Woods and Alderman Price are all on the scene. I don't know about you guys here, but when Price and Woods roll up to the scene, all I'm thinking here, I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Can someone clarify before we move on? What the fuck is Woods' like title? Like, why would he be on the scene? Isn't he auditing the unit? But like, does it but he hasn't clearly shown it at every crime scene. So no. why the fuck is he at this one? Like, That's I just question. don't understand like I don't remember. If anyone on Twitter remembers what Woods' title is, send it to me because I don't remember. He's uh, he's like an over – he's like auditing the unit. But yeah, why this crime? I just – I mean, I don't know what his official motive is, but we all know that his, his actual motive is to be all up in Boyd's business. Right. He's just being a pain in everyone's ass. I yeah. gotcha. Which is really the same with Price. I don't understand – Price's function this season. I'm like, stop acting like you're friends with Voight because you're not. I think they're trying to do, I think what his original purpose was is that he's trying to be kind of this, um, like, thing for the whole, you know, we want to deal with reality and deal with the politics and deal with real world stuff. But I really think they've done a better job every time they put something in the episode when he's not involved. Like there's the scene later on when we get to the case part, we'll talk about that. I think did a really good job of showing the subtleties of, you know, the tension between the police and the community. And I don't think we even, I don't know if really Price's role is needed to do that. And I, but I think that's what its intent was. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like they, we see what they were going for, but we're not really sure it's necessary. Right, like, that was the intent was to, you know, have someone easy to have, you know, be like, oh, look, we're dealing with real-world stuff. But they've done such a better job with it in scenes where he's not involved. Yeah, and why have him here if Woods is already serving that purpose? Right, and, like, we kind of see, like, maybe Price isn't as, like, I mean, Price is kind of crooked himself, so it's not like he's strictly this, like, good government guy that, I don't know, it's weird. The whole situation's weird. So Voight goes to talk to Haley and instead of being like, oh my God, how are you? He just 
laces into her. So the first question out of his mouth, I mean, he's like, yeah, this is tough to see. Sorry. But then he's like, I have to ask you, why was he here alone? What happened? And so Voight basically points out that she stopped for coffee and he went in alone and she tries to explain that she told him to wait and she was actually 10 minutes ahead of time. But Voight does not care. And the last thing he says to her in this scene, he goes, he's dead, Kaylee, or he's dead, Haley. I don't really care about fair. Are fucking you Voight. fucking kidding me right now? Right. Fucking Voight. Like, I just don't understand. Like you said, the chastising was so out of line. Like, yes. so out of, like, it came out of nowhere. Like, it literally makes no sense. I mean, Voight was very out of line. I don't really think it was out of character for him because I, I could see him doing that to, you know, Jay or Atwater or, you know, I could see him doing that. Right. But it was still just, it was right. still ridiculous. Right. Not out of character, but not necessary at all and stupid and I don't even know. All, a bunch so, of other things. And so our listeners at this point pointed out an interesting point to us and we got this from multiple people. So we got a tweet from Twitter user at W.A. Grobenite and her response here was, you know, Upton's a woman and she's not Lindsay and her opinions don't matter. And if you think about it, he blows Burgess off, too. I don't know if it's so much that she's a woman in this instance but I do see what she's saying that, you know, he would, he always, he used to at least consider what Aaron was saying. Burgess's opinion he respects, but I don't think it's necessarily because she's a woman in this instance. Do you? No, I think it's more of a, she's not Lindsay than she, it's her being a woman. And it's like, it's her not being Lindsay and her not seeing eye to eye and how she deals with issues like Voight does. Because, like, that's like you said, you know, it wouldn't have been out of character. Like, he probably would have done the same thing to Jay, who also we know is not, you know, raised and taught like Voight was. And he probably would have done the same thing to Antonio, who we know has his own opinions about the way Voight does things. So I think it's more about the fact that she wasn't taught by Voight like Lindsay was. And so, like you said, he used to at least consider what Lindsay would say. But I don't think it's more about her being a woman. It's more about she's not Lindsay and she does things differently than he does. Yeah. And we also got a tweet from Natalie. And Natalie said, if you're not Alvin, Voight is not trying to hear what you're trying to say. And that I agree with more of that is that if you're not Alinsky. Yeah. If you're not Alinsky, then he doesn't really give a shit. And we're just going to do it his way. Right. Because Alvin, do we know, did did they go to the academy together? They work together, but did they go to the academy together? Either way, it doesn't matter. But they grew, I mean, they were in this, they did things together. They were, I mean, they grew up as cops and detectives and everything together. So it makes more sense because Alvin does the same things that Voight does. Right. But I, I, I mean, both tweets were pretty on point because, you know, Voight really does kind of brush them aside when he brushes these opinions aside when they don't benefit him. Yep. Bad. Bad, bad. So Upton goes to McGrady's visitation, and this is kind of where our substitute title for the episode comes in, that everyone hates Haley, because she gets a pretty icy reception from McGrady's wife, and McGrady's old partner, Arnold, is there, and he pretty much 
sends the wife away and looks at Haley and is like, get out. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, this whole scene was weird. I It took me a second, too, to kind of figure out, okay, okay this is what's happening. Because at first, we obviously don't know, like, what actually ends up happening to McGrady. And I was like, well, is that mean maybe the partner, the old partner was in on it? Like, I, it, it threw me for a loop for a second. But, yeah, the reception that Haley got at this thing is weird. Really weird. And so the only pertinent thing we got out of this scene was, you know, Haley asks his old partner whether he ever knew McGrady to go in solo the way he did. And the partner said, no, he he never knew him to do that. But he was still an asshole to Haley and was like, leave. Right. And I get it. If like this isn't the right time for Haley to bring up these concerns, like, I get that. But then why can't you just say, this isn't the right time. Come find me after. Or, like, let's mm-hmm. meet here and, like, let's go over this. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't need to just... be an ass to her. Right. And it just kind of pours it on like pours it on thick that apparently now everybody blames her for his death right it's stupid it is stupid it is there and they blame her for his death without even hearing her side of the story yeah the whole it's the whole situation is really aggravating so later on upton is or upton's talking to platt on some new information and platt asks how she's holding up and so Platt's like, you know, I heard Voight came down pretty hard on you. And Haley goes, yeah, I feel like Voight was out of line because I did everything by the book. And Platt's response is, if I were you, I would keep that to myself because everyone's a little raw to hear your side of the story. Okay, then why the hell did you ask? Right. And I'm not one to usually hate on Platt, but like fucking Platt, like what the fuck is happening right now? Like, everyone's hating on Haley. And like you said, why did you ask if you said you should, if you think that Haley shouldn't be telling her side of the story? Like, it makes no sense. Yeah, and especially because we always see the moments, Platt is one to stick up for, you know, female cops sticking up for each other. Right. Platt is very vocal about that. So why on earth would she tell Haley, you know, oh, keep that to yourself, don't talk? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It This whole thing is, mind-boggling to me it's really it's really aggravating because yeah plot especially is acting really out of character here it's just not it's it's just not okay oh it made me so angry so later on they have a press conference and upton talks to mcgrady's wife and so mcgrady's wife is like yeah you know sean used to tell me how much he liked you and you know, you were really smart and everything. And then she mentions to Haley that McGrady was accused by the treasurer of community play for stealing money. So Upton kind of gets a hunch here. You kind of see the wheels start turning and she goes to follow up on it. And it turns out that the treasurer is the guy who McGrady was arguing with at the fundraiser. So she goes to kind of investigate it a little bit and she goes to the crime lab. And so she finds this like sign in sheet and takes a picture of it and she calls Voight and she's like, we need to talk now. So it turns out that Kane was popped on a DUI months before and there were vials of his blood in the evidence lab. Well, one of those vials is missing because when they did the initial sweep of the crime scene, they realized that Kane's blood was on McGrady's gun. And so Upton now believes that McGrady framed Kane for murder when he actually killed himself to escape the mounting debt he had. So it turns out she's right on this hunch. 
And so it kind of comes down to later on, it comes out to this decision of like, do we out him and say that, yeah, look what he did. He framed this guy. Or do we let everybody think he's a hero? And so later on, you know, they're at this memorial or viewing or something for McGrady. And Haley's pissed, as she should be. And so she leaves. And Voight catches up with her. And Voight kind of apologizes to Haley, but not really. He really doesn't. And so Voight's like, we have to get on the same page. You know, are we going to come forward with the truth? Are we going to take it to the grave? And so Voight's like, yeah, he was a good man. And Upton's like, no, he wasn't. Hell no, he wasn't. So her words here, she goes, good cop, sure. Good man, no. He gambled away his savings. He cheated on Anne and he tried to sabotage my career. And yet Voight still defends him. Voight's like, yeah, I saw what he did when the bullets fly. Okay, but that doesn't take away from what Haley's saying that he's kind of an asshole. Right, and, like, you might have seen him in action as a cop, but you didn't work, I mean, we don't know, may, might have worked directly together for a little while, but Upton definitely did, and so she knows him personally, you know, outside of the job, and she knows that, like, he's not a good guy. So, like you said, someone can be a good at their job and not be a good person. Yeah, and it, it just feels like everything Haley is saying is falling on deaf ears. Yep. Yeah, like Void has selective hearing and he only is he's only listening to what he wants to listen to. Yeah, it and then the next thing really bugs me in this Yeah. Thing. And so, you know, despite everything, Upton basically agrees to Void's request that they stay silent and they hug. Now, I mean, I get both sides of the argument here is that, you know, my, yeah, I, I get both sides here. So, I mean, my dog's going crazy. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I get both sides here is that, you know, this guy was a horrible person and, you know, he was, he was a good cop, but a really bad person. And he did Haley wrong. And, you know, Haley's not happy about it. Haley wants to do something about it because this guy's a fraud. And so I get that. But on the other side, you know, Voight's a family man. Voight is all about protecting your family. And, you know, he thinks that this guy's reputation should be preserved so that his kids can still receive the pension. So I guess there's not necessarily a right and wrong here, but they I feel like a lot more weight should have been given to what Haley had to say. Agreed. 100%. Yep. Yeah. And so... Basically, Upton agrees to Voight's request that they stay silent. They hug. and The hug scene around the world. See, and some people like this. Some people thought it was weird. I hated it. I don't know if I'm, like, in the minority here, but I hated it because, you know, she's upset in this moment and she starts crying, but she's not crying because she's upset that McGrady's dead. She's upset because she's frustrated as hell. And, I mean, I get that because that's, you know, that... That's like the only time that ever makes me cry is if I'm frustrated as hell. And so she had a problem with him and nobody listened to her because, you know, she had a problem with him. Nobody listened to her. He died. She was blamed. Then she exonerated herself when she didn't have to exonerate herself in the first place. And Voight tells her to keep quiet. So this happens. And I'm like, don't even touch her, Hank. Like, first off, that's creepy. You're her boss. And second off, you had something to do with this. So don't. Don't touch her. Don't try to make this okay. Like, you're part of the reason this is wrong. Yeah, I think I felt... I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and I completely agree. I think I more fall into, the, like, the middle category of the... Like, this was just weird. Like, especially after everything Hank had said to Haley this episode, and kind of the way he treated her, 
I, I kind of agree with your last part about, like, don't touch her. Like, you contributed to this. Like, why are you hugging her? I just thought it was more weird. Like, I don't know if I necessarily hated it, um, but I just thought it was, like, this is weird. This isn't what I would think would happen at the end of this episode after everything that just happened. Like, it was just weird to me. And, yeah, it was weird to me, too. I didn't like it. Yeah, and, like, why is it so hard for you to just say, I'm sorry? Probably because he never has had to, really. I mean, he should have many times, but he's never really had to, so. Just, Voight's really pissing me off this season. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I, I don't even know why I've been able to kind of apologize for his behavior in past seasons, but this season I'm just like, dude, he's really making me mad. And so I just, I yeah, it just kind of struck a nerve that, you know, nobody was listening to Haley and what she had to say. Yep. Ridiculous. So, and it brings us to an interesting point here because, you know, there was a lot of chatter within the fandom after this episode. And, you know, a lot of people keep making comparisons and saying that she's Lindsay's replacement. So that's what that's I think where a lot of people who were irked by the hug. I think that's a lot of where they came from was that, you know, she has been placed in this universe to replace Lindsay. So, I mean, that's the thing, though. She's not Lindsay. Not in the slightest. And I think a lot of people were saying like I saw, we saw this one tweet and we kind of like had a field day with this in our group text about how, you know, she's dressing the same as Lindsay. She wears her hair the same as Lindsay. Like, okay, first of all, okay, the hair is the actress's choice, not like something that's probably in the script being like, oh, we see Upton as someone with short hair. Like, who the fuck cares if she wears her hair the same as Lindsay? Like, I like that hairstyle. I think it's cute. I could never pull it off, but, like, I like it. So that literally has nothing to do with anything. Second of all, okay, the fact that they dress somewhere with plaids and jeans and whatever, what the fuck do you want them to wear? A dress to go do this? Like, they're going after bad guys and running and jumping over fences and, like, just being general badasses. So what, do you want them to wear dresses and skirts and heels? Like, that's not how this rolls. And plus, plus, I mean, they all wear plaid. You see Ruzik wearing plaid and you don't think that he wants to be like Jay. Right. It's just like a thing. Like, I don't know what it is about plaid because, but I like the plaid, but I don't know what it is about plaid. But they all wear, literally every, I don't think the only person I've never seen, well, there's a couple people I've never seen wear plaid. But it's like the older, it's like Antonio, Voight, and Al. But every single person is wearing, wearing plaid. And Burgess dresses, I mean, Burgess maybe not as much plaid, but, like, Burgess dresses similarly, and you're not calling her the Lindsay replacement. Yeah, and it's not that Upton and Lindsay wear their hair the same. They just wear it down. I mean, for that instance, then I'm wearing my hair like Lindsay right now. Ashley's wearing her hair like Lindsay right now. You right. know, your hair's up, so not so much. But Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I just think you can't go based off that. And it's, like, it's... It's really bad because you know that if Upton's character had been a guy, it would this conversation would not be happening. No. Voight and said guy still would have had a bro hug, but this conversation would not be happening. Right. We would not be talking about a Lindsay replacement because it doesn't matter. They wouldn't look alike, so it wouldn't be reminded of Lindsay. And even like when the season started, Tracy was doing all these interviews like at the upfronts and whatever else. And she was like, I don't picture myself as a replacement because I was there when Sophia Bush was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's a 
I really like that point from Tracy because it's true. Like, they were there. Yes, they weren't there for long, but they were there at the same time. Upton was already a member of this team while Lindsay was. Yeah, I just, it, it makes me a little sad that Tracy felt that she had to make that distinction. I mean, yeah, it's not like she's an actress coming in to replace Sophia as Lindsay. She's coming in as a new character. Right. Yeah, it, this whole conversation really frustrated me, like really bothered me. Yeah, and so, I mean, we saw a post on the Shy Hearts Facebook page, and it was from someone named Stefania, which is a gorgeous name, by the way, but it was pretty genius. Um, you know, she said that there was a lot of talk of Lindsay this week because of the Voight and Upton scenes and the Voight and Halstead scenes. And I think a lot of the fandom was kind of irked because they're moving forward, Voight and Jay, and... You know, they're they're moving forward and, you know, the fans are still thinking of Aaron. But here's the deal is that I'm fairly certain that, you know, in these moments where Jay is bonding with Haley or Voight is, you know, talking to her about do we take this to the grave or not? I think they're not thinking about Aaron. I'm pretty sure that the fans are the only people thinking about Aaron. Right. Yeah. I mean, and especially I mean, that's not to say they're not still thinking about Aaron. Like we're not saying that, you know, they've completely forgotten about Aaron because they probably haven't. Um, but that's not saying, like, Jay's probably not thinking about Aaron in every single second of his life. Voight's probably not thinking of Aaron in every single second of his life. Because if they were, it would affect the way they do their jobs, and they know that their jobs are bigger than them, and that they have to be able to have a clear head to do the things that they do. Exactly, exactly. This, and she... Aaron, think, Aaron thoughts are saved for off the clock. Yes. Exactly. Aaron thoughts are saved for off the clock. And so, I mean, yeah. And like I said, I mean, she's not a replacement. She's a member of this team with her own thoughts, her own opinions, her own morals. And case in point here is that she's by the book. If Ruzik had punched that guy in front of Aaron, she would have turned a blind eye. She would have thrown him against the hood of the car. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what I was going back and saying earlier was that, you know, we were talking about how the fact that uh, Voight treating Haley like this was more just because of the fact that she wasn't Lindsay and she wasn't, you know, taught by Voight and stuff. Was, yeah, they don't, they, Haley has said many times that she does not play dirty. She is a by the book detective, cop, whatever, you know, whatever. I don't, is she a detective? I guess she's a detective. She's a detective, yeah. Detective. Anyway, but yeah, so it's just, yeah, she is not Aaron. And that's not to say, too, that like, you know, we don't miss Aaron and we don't miss, you know, we're not going to miss Lindstad because we do. And we talk about it. If you could see our group text, like we do miss Lindstad and we do miss Aaron as a character. But she, you know, she's gone. And like, you know, if she comes back, we'll deal with that when she comes back. But right now she is not on the show. And like we can't focus on what could have been and what the what ifs and the this and the that and all those things. You know, we have to focus on the show, what it is, like save all the what ifs and all that stuff for fan fiction. Because I'm glad to read it and I will love to read it, whatever. But this is not, like, I can't enjoy the show if I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, what if Aaron was here for this scene and whatever? Because then I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If we spend all this time dwelling on Aaron, I mean, we miss out on what the show's actually doing right now. Right. We should have changed, we should call ourselves some kind of different podcast. We should call it, like, I don't even know what we would call it in that instance. But it'd be, like, more about, like, what if Chicago, like... No, we can't do that. <laughs> Meet us at Molly's to talk about Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. And like I said, it's not that we don't miss Aaron and we don't miss Sophia Bush on the show and we don't miss Lindstedt because we do. 
but we also are enjoying the show in its current form. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the I feel like the more you look at Upton as an Aaron replacement, the less inclined you're going to be to learn about her and let her grow on you. Yeah, and the more less inclined you are to feel to watch it and you're not you're gonna miss out on what it has been some really great episodes and some like I think this like I said maybe besides this episode because we're not still a big fan of this episode but this season's been really strong and I think you're really missing out on some good television if you don't yeah if you keep that like blind closed amen amen and and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy really if you tell yourself that you know you're not gonna like Upton no matter what you're gonna hate the show going forward that's exactly what's gonna happen so you know just leave Aaron in seasons one through four yeah you know yeah so Aaron is Aaron Haley is Haley moving on so Bryna, you put an interesting point here in the outline about Upton and Halstead because we actually got to see more of them and their partnership this week. Yeah, and I just kind of was curious, like, what are your guys' thoughts on this partnership so far? Like, is it more of something you could see, like, an epic friendship in the making? Or do you guys think, like, they're kind of setting everything up to, like, for them to be a ship down the line? And I think personally, I hope not. not, But I think personally, (laughs) based off how this episode went and kind of what Tracy and Jesse have said in their interviews – I kind of think we're hopefully going to see more of an epic, like, Shay and Severide friendship. Maybe not, obviously, to Shay and Severide level, because that was, like, BFF goals to the 10,000th power. But I think it's going something more of that lines. And, I mean, I really hope so, because what I really liked what I saw this week, and I think if we do see in kind of when Halsted takes his dark turn, like, we see more of the support and just wanting to be there and, like, enjoy, you know, and, like, enjoying hanging out and all that stuff, I think it could be really good. And I was trying to think, and in terms of PD, we don't have that kind of, like, we have really good friendships, but we don't have that kind of, like, epic Shay and Severide level friendship. Like, we've never really had that on PD, which is fine, but I really think it's kind of, in some ways, what this show is missing in a lot of, and so I really hope we get to see more of that. Yeah, I, you know, I think their their partnership developed nicely this week. I know in the first couple scenes that they shared together, every time they were together, it made me kind of nervous because I was reading into it, trying to find any sort of like shippy things in there. Right. But I'm I'm totally okay with a Shay Severide friendship developing between them. If they can, you know, be partners and friends and just keep it at that, that's fine. Granted, that's not to say that, you know, if there's major chemistry with them that, you know, three, four or five seasons down the line, maybe they try something shippy, kind of like Josh and Donna, where they're professional right. and then they realize, like, you know. But I also personally, and maybe this is just me, but I don't see that, like, chemistry, like that kind of chemistry, where I feel like with Josh and Donna, like that chemistry was always there. And so, like, it frustrated me that the fact that, like, it took them seven seasons basically, like, deal with that and like make them a ship but I don't see that between Tracy and Jesse but that might just be me I mean I don't see it yet yeah maybe yeah we'll see but I don't see it yet for sure so I'm more of the like hope their epic hope their partnership turns into some kind of like epic friendship thing Ashley what do you think yeah I hope it turns into a friendship too I don't want them to get together I mean not right now and I don't but I don't know like maybe later on down the line, like you said, but I don't know. Keep it at friendship level right now. 
We also got a DM from Rachel and Rachel kind of posed us with an interesting question. So her DM, she said, you know, I know you guys are pretty on the fence about Upton and pretty much had her pegged as a rat. So how do you feel about her now? Which we did just touch on a little bit, but you know, I like her. I feel like she balances out the cast very nicely. And you know, the, the three of us are sports fans. And so Bryna, your team that you covered, do you have any players on your team where like you don't like them, but they're still part of your team anyways? Yeah, no, for sure. And we were, I mean, we were having this conversation and you were talking about like playing dirty and there's not any players that play dirty, but there's definitely players who I don't like and I don't think they're that great. They're not as good of basketball players as some of the other ones. I'm like, these people are annoying. Why are they still on this team? Blah, 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 blah. But like you said, like they're still a part of this team at the end of the day. They're still, I mean, I cover the Wizards in DC and like they're still Washington Wizards at the end of the day, like whether I like them or not. And I cover this team, and so, you know, I that means I have to cover them as well. I can't just, like, be like, oh, I want to cover the two superstars and, like, just deal with that. Like, that's not good coverage. And so, yeah, I mean, I think – I agree. I think – I like, I think I was the one that said maybe she's going to be a rat, which we know it's probably not going to be her now because we've got this <laughs> other storyline happening, which I didn't see coming. But – I definitely like her. I think she's grown on me a lot more. And I think the more that we see of her, the more I do like her. And I think, I will say this, I think after season four, I think maybe I did see her as little too much like Erin, but I've come to realize that like, that's not her role and that she is her own individual character. So once I accepted that, I think is when I started to like her more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That she can't be a rat. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, yeah, Ashley, how do you feel about her? Yeah, I agree with what y'all said. I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of like her, I guess, but. Well, and the yeah. reason I use the sports analogy is because, you know, on my team as well, I have players that I'm like, God, I can't stand you. Why are you on our team? But at the end of the day, they still wear the team's colors. And that's how I feel about Upton. And I guess even Void at this point in the season. Void's a pain in the ass right now, but he's the leader of intelligence. He's still part of this unit. So we're going to treat him like he's part of this unit. And that's how I feel about Upton is that, you know, regardless of how you feel about her, she's part of this team now. So, you know, you embrace her. And so... So far, so good. I, you know, I, I, I've, I've forgiven her a little bit about the whole issue of throwing Ruzik against the hood of the car and like acting like it was such a pain in the ass to cover for him. But yeah, agree. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see. I think she's going to be a character to watch, like in the next, not only in the next couple of episodes, but just throughout the rest of season five. She's a character to watch for sure. So let's talk about the case itself. You know, and we did touch on the bulk of it talking about Upton but there's some little details that we're going to fill in so intelligence leaves the event they have an active shooter they arrive they find this couple that's been murdered and they find a bunch of cocaine in the closet and so this is where Upton mentions she's like well so much for the safe haven of the north side so they're really pushing this distinction pretty hard that like the north side is kind of upscale and the south side not so much I don't know yeah it's it's interesting but yeah they are pushing it so Ruzik and Atwater go to question the neighbors and they find one neighbor and the woman's like, oh, I was just about to call you. And Ruzik's like, oh, we don't get that a lot. And so she describes the suspect. She hesitates to call him black. So she calls him dark skinned. And then Atwater just looks at her and is like, so black. And she's like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And I think this scene is really not important in 
the storyline and whatever. Like, there's nothing really that important with it. But I think it shines some light on, like, who the besides, I mean, besides shining light on who the Hammonds were. But I think it's really important, yet subtle scene that shows this real world tension yet again that exists between the police and the community that they serve. And I think this was probably one of the best examples they've done all season of showing this tension. Because it's just so, like, it's so subtle and it's so like, oh, I was just about to call you. And it's like, well, okay, people obviously don't like to be snitches to the police, like, especially with everything that's happened recently. And, like, you know, she's a white female and she hesitates to use the word black to describe the suspect. And I just thought it was really telling. But yet it was so subtle and not really that important. Right. And Atwater had a lot of one-liners in this episode that were pretty great. And we'll get more into that in a bit. But... You know, the team basically tries to put together pieces on this family. And so the dad had been let go from his law firm. He was in big time financial trouble. And so they're able to piece it together that he was dealing drugs on the side to make up for the money problems. So Burgess and Antonio, they go talk to the son and he tells them what happened. He IDs the shooter and the son ultimately ends up dying. And so without his testimony, Burgess tells Jay that Kane could actually get away with this. I actually really like this scene between Burgess and Jay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just like how, like, uh, they were just kind of venting to each other. I, I don't know, something about it I really liked. We've been seeing a lot of them, like, talking to each other lately. I'd like to see them dive into that friendship. And, Brian, I've actually talked to you about this a couple times. I could totally be down with Burgess and Jay having like an Alex and Meredith friendship, like on Grey's. Yes. Yes. I would love that. I, yeah. yeah. And I think they do like, I mean, they, you know, yes, Burgess wasn't obviously as close to Lindsay as Jay was, but you know, there's some like probably hurt feelings on her side as well. And her probably more so than anyone else in the unit. That's not Voight or Jay. And so, yeah, I think they could have a really good friendship if they went there, like a good Alex and Meredith friendship that, you know, never is going to cross the romantic line. But, you know, they're there for them and they're like sisters and brothers. And I think, yeah, that's a, yeah, very good. I could be totally down with that. There, There is a section of the fandom that wants to see their relationship develop. But yeah, strictly friends, strictly Alex and Meredith, I think that would be great. And so... Uh, Intelligence finds a CI named Briggs and McGrady had called this guy before he died. So Upton and Halstead interview them and Briggs tells them that McGrady had a gambling problem, which included gambling on Little League games, which means that it must have been pretty bad. Right. Like Little League. I don't even think people. I mean, you I feel like you have to have a really bad gambling problem to go that far to bet on literally games that don't have Vegas odds or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so Halstead and Upton, they debrief about their interview with this guy and Upton says that he believes it or she believes him because it fits with what she knew about McGrady. So this is when we get the first glimpse on why Upton doesn't like him. It's that, you know, he had asked her to borrow a couple of thousands, you know, the month before and he had a bad gambling problem. So Ruzik and Atwater, they go to this bar. They find video footage of Kane in the bar the night before. And so uh, what I did like about this was how Atwater was like, well, this could have been altered. And he was like, no, the 10 o'clock news is playing in the background. Like, I just that's it's a cool like little detail that they like work in there just yeah. to, you know, debunk that. I thought that was cool. And so they're debriefing about this video footage and Antonio comes in and says that the blood found on the gun belonged to Kane. So Voight immediately orders for his arrest. 
So intelligence goes to look for Kane. They find the mother of his children. And she says Kane was there the night before and left with Bebe. Good old Bebe. <laughs> <laughs> and she's never seen Kane look so scared in his life. And so intelligence goes. They find Bebe. And this whole raid is pretty it's great. It's pretty great. Atwater had his probably my favorite line. And I died laughing. And every time I've seen it since, I've died laughing. When Atwater tells Bebe, like, because they find Bebe in the bathroom. He's, like, trying to sneak out of the window with this money. And Atwater basically tells him, drop the bag, you know, whatever. And he's, like, back out of the bathroom. And Atwater goes, this is your house, Bebe. You know where to go. <laughs> it's just so good. Atwater had some really great lines in this episode. It was just really funny because it's like, this is your house. You know where to go. You know where the kitchen is. Like, back out of here. So great. And I love the moment when they finally get Bebe up against the fridge. And, like, he turns to, like, he turns to go to punch Atwater or something. And Jay comes in from the other room and he's like, are you good? And Ruzik and Atwater are like, bitch, we got this, please. <laughs> like... I love that. I love it. And so basically, Bebe says that he dropped Kane off and that he was going to meet him later on. But that was about it. So it turns out that Kane has been talking to good old Alderman Price. And Voight was pissed off about this. But like, how did you not see this coming? Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe he thought Price was better than that. But he obviously isn't. I don't know. I don't know how Boyd didn't see it coming. So stupid. And so turns out that Price has been trying to get Kane to surrender through all of his back channels. And he says that he wants to work with Voight to make sure that it all goes down peacefully, especially since Kane swears that he did not kill McGrady. This whole sequence is so weird because Price wants to go into this building and extract him himself. And Voight's like, this is ridiculous. And then Price somehow convinces him to do it when minutes before we had Upton trying to explain herself and Voight was like, be gone. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, Voight. I don't know where Voight's head's at right now. Like, Price is not even a member of your own unit. Yeah, but I guess he thinks that, you know, this is literally the only way they're going to be able to get Kane out of here because Kane's been talking to Price. So, like, you got to go with it. But it's stupid. It's just the whole thing is weird. So Price and Voight roll up to this building and Price is wearing a bulletproof vest and Voight is not. So they're walking into this building where Voight's hold, or where Kane is holed up. And just again, okay, why the hell isn't Voight wearing a vest? Because just he's been doing this thing lately where he stares down the barrels of these guns and he just doesn't give a shit. And his God complex is just out for the world to see. And it's kind of getting old. It's like, where the hell is your vest? You're not invincible. Yeah, at Voight, like I said, I mean, we've talked about this a lot this episode, a lot in episodes previous. I don't know what the fuck is going on with Voight, but he needs to get his shit together. For real. I mean, I'm really hoping that the writers are catching on to this god complex of his and like, because it could very well come back to bite him. And I'm kind of hoping that it does because he needs to calm down. Do you think this is, I just thought about this. Do you think this is his reaction to Lindsay leaving? Like, it has to be. He's acting out. Right. Like, to numb himself and not give a fuck? Yeah, I could actually, I could absolutely see that. Like, maybe it's actually, like, yeah. I just, I just thought about that. I don't know why, but I just thought about that. But I bet you that's probably what it is. Like, Justin died. Poor one out for Justin Voigt. Justin died. Lindsay's gone. 
And Lindsay, you know, he literally has nobody. Like, Olive and his grandson don't live here. So he literally has no family around. And Lindsay leaving was the last straw, and he's acting out. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Only he's never going to admit it. He's never going to say anything about it. He's just going to keep doing it and never talk about his feelings. But he did. He was in therapy in 501. We haven't seen him go back, though. I know. Uh, Maybe he will. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So they go into this building, and surprise, surprise, Kane pulls a gun on Voight. And surprise, surprise, Voight does not care. And so they basically, they convince him to walk out of this building. And so I, it's just, I thought it was funny when the guy pulled the gun on Voight and how Alderman Price was like, holy shit, oh my God, don't do it. And Voight was like, like, whatever. Right. He's like, not that I am not here in this situation every single day with a gun pulled Yeah, exactly. And so they're walking out of the building and they have a SWAT team there to kind of apprehend him. And this is all kind of a surprise to everybody. And so Kane takes Price as a hostage. And so they end up talking him down, you know, whatever, all's well that ends well. And so Woods holds a press conference to talk about McGrady's sacrifice, sacrifice being in air quotes. And Voight confronts him about sending in the SWAT team. And Denny's like, no, this was just me doing my job. And Voight goes, oh, yeah, well, for a minute there, it felt personal. So I'm just going to make a note of that one because of the way the episode ends, which we will get to in a minute. So... Voight takes the new information from Upton to a conversation with Price. And Price himself became suspicious of Voight because of all this new intel that he got. And he says that Voight will owe him for not speaking up in Kane's defense. Dude, Price, go away. You're being annoying. Just shoot. Okay. The thing that I... Okay, so obviously that's the end of the episode in terms of the case. The thing that I still don't understand is... And this kind of goes back to whether Voight... whether they would have made the decision to, like, come clean about it actually being a suicide and not a murder, was, didn't Kane murder the family? Wasn't that him that shot the, like, family? I think so. So what in, he's gonna be in jail because he killed three people. So what does it, like, what does any of this matter? Like, he's still going away for murder, whether it was McGrady or whether it was the Hammonds. He's still going away for murder. Like, they right. never made that clear, and it really bugs me because I don't understand then why we started with the whole Hammond storyline. Like, it literally just doesn't make any sense. They did kind of glaze over that, didn't they? They never really cleared up who killed the Hammonds. Which is why it took me forever to, like, understand this case because it starts with the Hammonds, and then obviously it ends with McGrady, and McGrady's, like, the big deal, which I get, and, like, he becomes the big part of the storyline, but then why did it, like... I just felt like it could have been better written in terms of, like, if they wanted to just have McGrady be killed and end up being a suicide and do the Upton thing, that's great. I just, it really confused me. They didn't really say, okay, Kane killed the Hammonds, and he's still going away for life for killing the Hammonds. But, like, he's going away for life for supposedly killing McGrady. I don't know. It just confuses me. Maybe it's because, I mean... There tends to be a lot more noise made about criminals when they kill cops. And so maybe Price didn't want him to go down as a cop killer. Yeah, I, I don't know. The whole, right. I, I get, and I get that too. But like, he still supposedly did a bad thing. I mean, he killed the Hammonds. And yeah. it just, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm still lost. If anyone wants to clear this up for me, send me a tweet. Because I need to know, just for my own sanity of this episode, that Kane killed the Hammonds. Mm-hmm. Just to make that clear, because I don't get it still. 
So, yeah, it's a mystery. So the last thing we have to talk about is Ruzik, actually, which I don't think we've ever said on this podcast before. Right. And it's not like, oh, we have to talk about Ruzik and some so just Ruzik. Just Ruzik. So they're at this fundraiser and Ruzik, Ruzik's phone rings and or no, I'm sorry, not at the fundraiser. When they go talk to the neighbor, Ruzik's phone rings and it's Mia. Who the fuck is Mia, Adam? Yeah. Who is this? And so uh, Atwater teases him, and it sounds like Ruzik had a one-night stand. And so I just imagine in this moment, like, Burgess and, like, every female in this fandom lining up like Taylor Swift in the Bad Blood video with, like, her squad just kind of, like, storming in. And so, because Marina had tweeted at that point, too. Marina was like, who the hell is this? What the hell? Like, where'd she come from? So it sounds like Ruzik had a gold or a one-night stand. So... At McGrady's memorial later on, uh, Ruzik gets a call again. And so Atwater's like, oh, shit, it's Mia. Um, But Ruzik is definitely not speaking to someone the way you would if it were a booty call. So that was kind of interesting. And so at the very end, the last scene of the episode is Ruzik meeting Mia, who is actually Denny fucking Woods. Dun, dun, dun. I literally did not see that coming at all. This is crazy. And so... My mind was blown. Denny's like, you don't get to be inconvenienced. I own you. And we're all like, the hell is going on? <laughs> Ruzik has a sister. Ruzik has a nephew. The sister got popped for DUI. And Ruzik tried to make it go away by, like, falsifying reports and burying evidence. A.K.A. anything that Voight would do on, like, a normal Tuesday. <laughs> and now Woods is, like, threatening him with jail time and all this crazy shit. So... Woods basically is setting it up for, he wants Ruzik to be a rat. What? (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I did not see this, like, probably one of the best, like, turn of events in PD's, like, time, because I did not see this coming at all. I think I was more shook in the moment by the fact that Ruzik had a sister, because, like, Ashley, you and I have theorized about this just many, many times, like randomly off the cuff with nothing to go off of. I had myself convinced that Ruzik was an only child. Yeah. I don't know what I I thought about Ruzik's family life because we've only ever met his father. But like, yeah, that was surprising. I was like, wait, he, he acts like an only. Like, what do you mean he has a sister? So this, like, this got me thinking. I mean, what do you guys think about the sister? Is she older? Is she younger? Is she a twin? Is she a half-sister? Like, tell me. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know if I've ever really thought about Ruzik's family life. But I my guess is she's an older because she has a nephew. Um, or because Ruzik has a nephew. She's a kid. Um yeah, I don't even, I don't, I literally don't even know. I hope we get to meet her then one day. Uh, yeah, and so somebody on Twitter had pointed out to us that there was a reference to her very early in season one. And, uh, you know, she pointed out that she thought it was his engagement party. Now, I'm a big nerd. I went back and I watched the engagement party scene. There is no mention of her. So if somebody can recall what episode that he mentions her very, very early on in season one, please let us know because this is going to bug me for a while. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I, I'm still, my, it, we're recording this on Sunday, the episode aired on Wednesday, so what, we're four and a Three half, days. four and a half days, something like that, post this episode, my mind is still blown. Same, same, and so Ruzik's like, I'm not a rat, which we all know, 
But apparently the CPD Twitter account doesn't get this note. Yes. Okay. Their tweet, and it was a Taylor Swift, like they've done a couple tweets where basically they're implying that Ruzik is the rat. One of them was a Taylor Swift one. And their tweets as a social, on terms of social media game are on point. Like they're really funny. But Ruzik is not a fucking rat. Like he's being blackmailed. He's not a rat. At least, yeah, not yet. But he's not a rat as of now. So I'm so over this. He's not a rat. He's not a rat. There's a big difference between being a rat and being blackmailed. Right. But in terms of social media game, the CPD Twitter account was on point after this. Cause as- oh, no, the tweets The tweets have been hilarious. Right. They made a post on a Saturday, I think, and it was like, we smell a dot, dot, dot. And it was a picture of Ruzik. And I just wanted to, like, comment to be a smartass. I'm like, you smell a Ruzik? confused yeah no because he's not a rat in terms of of social media game they're on point but ruzik is not a fucking rat no and um some people have mentioned on twitter like some people send us dms and emails and stuff that said you know maybe this is like kind of a double ruse so like we want they want us to think that ruzik is the rat but really voight and ruzik are playing woods so like they're trying to make it seem like or they're trying to make Denny think that Ruzik's going to be a rat, but really Voight and Ruzik have another plan, which I'm kind of hoping is the case because I don't want Ruzik to get in trouble here. Yeah, I'd be in for that. And kind of going off of that, we got so many DMs about the Ruzik thing. Like that was pretty much what everyone that sent us something was commenting about the Ruzik thing. And so I think in terms of going off of that, we got a DM from Jennifer who's wondering how long we think the whole situation is going on for. I don't know. I don't know when this started, when I don't know. Yeah, and so we got a D- I can't remember who's DM'd us this, but somebody also had the theory. They were like, remember at the end of, I think it was 502, when Voight told Woods, he's like, I don't pick and choose my battles or something. I just wait. So, oh, dear Lord. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> this is him just waiting. Oh, dear and, Lord. And like finding the right moment to pounce. Oh, dear Lord. I don't even, I didn't see that DM. If we, I don't. Oh, my God. My mind. So many thoughts. Yeah. But I think we – I mean, a lot of our DMs, and I think this was what just in the fandom, I think, in general, really seemed to agree on, which is surprising because the fandom was not agreeing about anything this week. But a lot of people seem to agree on the fact that they love the fact that we're getting, like, a good Ruzik, just Ruzik, not Burzik, not anything else, Ruzik-centered storyline. But why the fuck does it have to be this? Right. Like, you know, and then Jessica in one of, in her DM says, you know, he has nobody in his corner right now. And she said, I really hope it ends in he and Voight taking Denny down. Jennifer and Hallie also said the same thing about, like, the fact that we're getting a good storyline, but why does it have to be this? Um, we got a DM from someone on Twitter who is on Twitter. Her username is CPDCFCMed7410. I don't know your name and I know she interacts with us a lot and I don't know your real name but that's a one heck of a username but um (laughs) she said I've hated Denny since the beginning and I think it's utter bullshit that he goes from being the shady ass character last season to an auditor over intelligence I hate it and I can't wait for him to be gone uh us too seconded thirded fourthed um yeah we agree yeah and then we got a dm from rachel and she said this was i thought this was really interesting and she said i think i'll know how i feel about the storyline after i see how it plays out next week if ruzik decides to snitch 
then that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. He does have the option to just straight up tell Voight what's happening to him and have him help. It's not like this is something Voight hasn't pulled before. He freaking tried to kill Casey and Hallie when he did the same thing for Justin. But honestly, this is probably the first time it felt like a different show to me. Definitely an interesting storyline, but at what cost? Hmm. The question I have here is this. How do you think Ruzik is going to handle this? Is he going to go right to Voight or is he going to do something and fuck it up even worse? I feel like, I don't know. I don't think he's going to go right to Voight. Yeah, that's what I think. I think he's going to do one little small minor thing and fuck it up and then realize, oh shit, like I need, like this is bigger than me and I need to go to Voight. I mean, I'm I'm hoping he goes right to Voight because I mean, Woods didn't tell him anything of like if you go to Voight with this, this is this is gonna happen. But I think Woods is underestimating the fact that Voight's gonna understand because Ruzik did this for his family. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think, and this is something I meant to mention earlier. But the first thing I thought of when I saw this was, oh shit, this is Gen 2.0. Ruzik can't die. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, it was, it's Jin 2.0 as of now for what we've seen. Like, this is literally, someone is not happy with the way Voight and Intelligence is doing shit. They want Voight to be gone. So they blackmail someone in the Intelligence unit with something regarding their family to basically try to get dirt up on Voight. Or we, that's, we're assuming what Denny wants Ruzik to do, but that's what Jin did. This is why it would make a whole hell of a lot more sense for Ruzik to go right to Voight because Ruzik saw what happened with Jin. Right. And I could see him going to Atwater maybe and then like Atwater being like, you need to tell Voight. Ooh, yeah. That's an interesting, like maybe Ruzik doesn't go straight to Voight, but he goes to like other people in intelligence. People. And he's like, and everyone tells him like, you need to like, this is bigger than you. Like you need to handle this shit properly with Voight's help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good Hopefully. point. I, I, yeah, the the whole situation. It's it's it was a it was a very surprising moment. Let's just say that. But uh, yeah, I just I, I really hope he goes right to Voight and doesn't make this any worse. Because yeah, and I mean, with Voight having seen how the Jin situation played out, he would also know how to avoid it in this instance. Yeah, I I think I think I think there's definitely whether it's immediately and Voight and. Ruzik have been working on this like since Ruzik got blackmailed or it's something that we actually get to see develop. I do think Voight does come into play eventually to ultimately take down Denny. Um, but I don't know in what, what that comes from. And I was just thinking about this and I, and just how much I loved this like turn. Cause I really didn't see it coming. I also really like the fact that this was never mentioned in any of the episode descriptions. So we read the episode descriptions and we were like, oh, this is what happens in episode seven and this is what happens in episode eight. But there was never any mention of Ruzik and dealing with this. So it's clearly like a B storyline or C storyline, but it's, it's one I hope that we obviously get to see more of. And I, I thought it was so well done that it was so kept under wraps and nobody saw this coming. Yeah, it was it was a very well executed surprise. Yeah. When I, as much as I hate that they're picking on Ruzik and I'm not sure how I feel about the storyline in general, I, it, well done, writers. Well done. Yeah. Because I did yeah. not see this coming. Right. And and I mean, you know, yeah, we got some DMs that were like, does it have to be this? But if it were a happy storyline, we'd be bored. Right. So, you know, it's, it's good to see. Show, it's just going to show us how much we actually love Ruzik. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, we'll see. But 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that kind of wraps up everything we wanted to talk about, which was a lot. If you um, made it to this point in the episode, God bless you. And let us know yes. because. <laughs> Gold star for you. Yeah, this is a long one. It's a long one. So did you guys have any other thoughts, feelings about the episode that we didn't quite share? No, I mean, there were some things happening in the fandom, but I'm going to save them for Halstead's episode because they kind of fit more with the Halstead episode. And speaking of Halstead, so like we said, you know, on Friday, our episode will be a recap of the season two finale of Med. We will record 507 of PD a week from today to be released on Monday the 20th. And we will also have a special guest. Uh, We will be recording with Christina. She is a variety of words on Twitter. She is the one behind the wonderful Tumblr thread called Tell Me More About Jay Halstead's Past. If you have not seen it, we're going to post it on Twitter. You just need to like dive in. It's so, so great. And you have to read the hashtags because her hashtags on her Tumblr post are what sell it. And it's going to be a really good conversation. I'm really excited that she's going to come on and yeah hang out with us and talk to us we're so excited yeah so remember met on friday pd on the next monday yeah and send us and don't forget send us your jeff dreyer questions because that's happening this week and we want to have we're gonna have a really great conversation with him so send us your questions for him yeah and he's a doctor turned writer so i mean even if you're not a big med fan there should still be plenty of questions about that like how the hell did you do that that's awesome yeah so yeah so that's it for today's episode. I can't believe you made it this far. Um, as always, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Send us your emails. Please send us your emails. We love it so much. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Ashley. I'm at Ashnake095. So yeah, that's it. Um, As always, you know, send us your thoughts, send us your feelings, and we will see you on Friday. Everybody have a good week. Bye.